0: This show is made possible by you, our listeners. If you like what you hear, and if you want to help us tell more stories and reach more people, then from only two US dollars a month, you can become a patron of the show. Just visit patreon.com forward slash network. What if the best way to impact a community is simply to listen to its members? That's the question we asked back in 2018 in an episode of this podcast called The Secrets of Salt. It told the story of Bobby Zachariah, a social worker in the Indian city of Pune, and how his use of a method of community engagement called salt brought about transformative change, not only in a community, but also in a corporation. Well, in this episode, we're returning to the subject and hearing the story of salt from one of its pioneers.
1: We find that trust is the best thing that comes out of this. Connection in community builds. Learning and sharing is, is understood by everybody to be going on. Inclusion of people instead of leaving people out is a critical thing. And so there's some of the, if you like, the immediate outputs in our experience.
0: I'm Jake Lloyd, you're listening to the How to Build Community Show, and that's the voice of Dr Ian Campbell. In this episode, you'll hear a story from Ian of how salt began during the HIV epidemic in the 1980s. You'll hear how salt works, and you'll find out how you can use salt to improve relationships in your community. And all the clips you'll hear in this episode from Ian and from two of his peers are taken from a recent online learning session for members of Aruka Network. But let's get started. Ian is now going to take you back to rural southern Zambia in the mid-1980s. Back then, he was chief medical officer at a large Salvation Army hospital called Chicken Carter. And at the time, the global HIV and AIDS epidemic was threatening to overwhelm his hospital.
1: As I think back... To that experience of being in Zambia uh, during the early onset of the AIDS epidemic, one thing that stood out very clearly is that this epidemic was going to be bigger than any of us could ever manage with systems. It was skyrocketing forward. It was like a, a steamroller. It was enveloping the country. One thing that became very clear is that we had to find our way back into the homes and the neighbourhoods of people because that's where the power obviously was to lie. It had been there. It was going to be there in the future. We needed to rely on that strength that is often hidden from health systems people, right, because we we tend not to get out the door often enough to actually get into the to the local setting to really hear the story. With HIV onset, we had to do that much more if
0: we were to have a strategic grasp of future response. So Ian and his colleagues set out into surrounding villages to find out more about this crisis, how HIV was spreading, how it was impacting people's lives, and what could be done to stop the spread. One of Ian's colleagues who joined him on these visits was Elvis Simambwa, Both Elvis and Ian felt that it wasn't right to go out into communities and give lectures on HIV transmission. They wanted to take a different approach.
2: We went in there not as experts. We went in there as human beings. And the question, the way we asked our questions, how do we resolve this situation? Because people are
0: dying. So they visited towns and villages not to tell people what to do, but to find out what was going on. And over time, they found that the more they listened rather than lectured, and the more they acknowledged the strengths they saw in the communities rather than the problems, the more positive things began to happen. Stigma, silence, discrimination and confusion about the crisis began to be replaced by sharing of experiences, caring for one another, and finding practical ways to respond to the situation. For example, through these visits, Ian and his team learned that one of the ways that HIV was spreading was through a ritual that formed part of many funerals in this region. This ritual involved a widow having sex with a family member of their deceased partner. And the conversations that Ian and his team had with community members about this ultimately led tribal chiefs to ban this ritual right across the country. At the time, this work that Ian was doing wasn't called SALT. He described this process of visiting communities, listening to them, noticing their strengths, building relationships, and sharing what was learned as experiential learning. But whatever it was called, it seemed to be working, and it started to gain the attention of others.
1: Early in the experience of that, we had so many contacts with people in Lusaka and other parts of the world, and we started to set up experiential learning visits. One comes to mind the Minister of Health, Dr. Angelisani, was coming to visit because he heard something was going on and it was very controversial. He was kind of ambushed in a positive way on the way to the hospital. We met him halfway there and we managed to set up a visit to a family that was living with HIV. And I remember very well uh, Dr. Angelisani meeting the family and then being handed a bowl of food by the family and by the woman, by the young woman who was living with AIDS. This really shifted his perspective.
0: And in the past, Ian has described this change of perspective to me in the following way. He says it's getting organisations that want to support communities to adapt their own way of working from a rigid system that does not change according to context to a more fluid way of working that responds to the people and stories within a place. And for both Ian and Elvis, this new way of working started to change their lives.
2: We were amazed by what we had started, the journey we had started, because within a very short time, we had people pouring in, looking for what we were doing, looking at what we were doing, looking for answers. And because of this, we still are able at the moment to travel around, share experiences, Of course, bringing in new dimensions, new ways of working and thinking.
0: Over time, Ian found others working in a similar way. And for him, this helped answer an important question he had. But what did we want to call it? We didn't call it anything. So with that in
1: mind, I met Dr Usa Dongsa from Thailand. She was the... um, lead for the AIDS education program at the University of Chiang Mai, and she had been doing a process in parallel called SALT. And so I attribute the word SALT to Usa, and she used it as a mnemonic in those days, support and learning team. She was setting up taking people from districts in Thailand to local settings to hear the story of local community. Now, it was very effective and she was very excited, but it took a friend to get us all connected get together. From my perspective in working globally with the Salvation Army, I saw this as a huge opportunity to continue doing what we'd been doing, but to capture it in a word that would continue to grow in terms of its meanings around approaches and actual methodologies. So that now, as we begin to look at the word salt, it can and does Mean a number of different things.
0: So, salt then became an umbrella term for a few different words stories, strengths, appreciate, listening, and team, all describing a way to engage with a community that could have very real benefits. And crucially, it became a way to engage with a community whether you live in that community or whether you are visiting from outside. So it is, in fact, actually a way to engage with anyone.
1: You know, we've talked about the need to do SALT, stimulate stories, appreciate strengths, learn through listening, and do it as a team. And in doing so, we find some special things about SALT practice that might happen with a team of two or three or four people. Um, We find that trust is the best thing that comes out of this. Connection in community builds. Learning and sharing is, is understood by everybody to be going on. Inclusion of people instead of leaving people out is a critical thing. Yeah, and so there's some of the,
0: if you like, the immediate outputs of SALT experience. One key aspect of SALT then is strengths. And Ian has become convinced throughout his work in Zambia and beyond that the best way to address any challenge in a community, not just health challenges, is to first look for that community's strengths.
1: We had learned through responding to AIDS and then other issues, particularly uh, as time went on with um, uh, things like Ebola, with COVID, but on the way, addictions and abuse of um, all kinds of you know, substances that, that, that cause conflict in local community. These are just some examples of the entry point conflict-laden issues that bring out not so much the weaknesses of people, which are easy to see, but the strengths that we need to continue to look for across the cultures, across the faiths, across the localities. And we've learned to always enter into a conversation in the home environment and the neighborhood environment and in the facility that we come from ourselves, be it a church or be it a clinic or be it a hospital, to always look for the strengths that are inherent within us, the care as presence, the community as belonging, the change that is not forced but facilitated, the leadership that is servant and the hope that is generated. By the confidence that comes from a shared learning that comes out of the kind of conversations that we're talking about.
0: Now, if you're familiar with terms like asset based community development or appreciative inquiry, then this might sound familiar. But there are things that distinguish SALT from some other methods of community engagement. And one way to explain these things is by taking you through the process of visiting a community and using SALT. So imagine now that you've gathered one or two other people, perhaps from your community group, your work, your place of worship, and you're going to visit a home, another community group, a project or a business, really any place or group of people that you care about and would like to know more about. And on this visit, you will use SALT. So, where should you start? Well, Ian Elvis and from Aruka Network, Robins Odio are now going to be your guides on the before, during, and after of assault visits.
1: This is not an intervention. It's not a survey. We're going to explore through good questioning the concerns that people have, the hopes that people have, the ways of working they have to make life fulfilling and to face challenges. Because we we have to learn from people about how they work not what they do so much as how they work in order for us to grow
0: and if you don't know the community you wish to visit find someone who does
1: having people who trust you from the local setting who can actually guide into streets and neighborhoods and
0: homes is really critical the way you approach the visit is crucial
2: when making a SALT visit, you don't carry notebooks and pens and you don't go and introduce yourself as a, somebody that is very important, but rather just a, a simple interaction because if you go as an expert, people intend to lock and expect to hear more from you.
0: During the visit, to get people talking, you need to ask good questions.
1: So you want to explore the concerns and also the best hopes that people have. What's the vision they have? the future that works for them. And in the line with that, how are they achieving that? Or how are they trying to achieve it? It's how would you like to change things if you had a chance? Who would help? How do neighbours get together to do that? How do you see people like ourselves coming from a nearby hospital or church or something? How do you see us playing a part? It's a conversation that is intentionally about the local story. That's why it takes... A while, it takes 30 to 45 minutes usually to get somewhere deep with that. Then
0: listen to what they say.
2: When you listen, when you are present with someone, they recognise it, they feel it. And then your success when you are doing salt is very high.
0: And then after your visit, it's important to gather for a debrief. And here we encounter a spiritual component to salt. Salt.
1: The debrief is really critically important. If it doesn't happen, you lose the learning. We have to ask three sets of questions. What strengths did we see today in the people that we visited? How did we do as a team? What strengths have come out in us? And then how did we see God today that was really surprising? You might be in a group,
2: but you'll realize that each and every individual was able to pick something different.
0: So there's your very short guide to going on a salt visit and that almost brings us to the end of this episode. But there are three more lessons we're going to share about salt before that. Firstly, salt is not just about trying to have a positive impact in the lives of the people you are visiting. It's also about changing you as well.
1: The people who come from the centre go back to that centre and they do their work differently. They look down a microscope differently. They do nursing differently. They do medical consultation differently. They do chaplaincy differently or administration, and that is what it's about. Salt for the person of faith is a spiritual discipline, and it's a shared spiritual discipline. And That's where team life in salt brings out deeper uh, spiritual embedding it happens in us as well. This is, a, this is a shared journey of change. And I think that's the critical, the critical point. Secondly, it shouldn't be a one-off visit. You need to go back and visit like regularly. You don't just visit and then let it go cold. You've got to get back to a particular locality in order for the flourishing to really begin to show itself over a period of a year. And the big outcome in a year is trust. And by that time as well, there's an emergence of local facilitators who actually see how to do this and how important it really is. And invitations are coming from all sides to actually uh, come and have it, you know, done differently in other places. And so in a second year, classically, you begin to see people taking responsibility for their own actions. Action starts to take place. And that's another result. It's a, it's an outcome, if you like. Health related action is what we're often looking for, but that definition is very broad. I think by year three, classically, you begin to see organically the distribution of response, the expansion of it. And, and that's what we should be looking for. Um, so you do get the classic health indicators emerging, but you get other things as well. You begin to see the, the emergence of community relationship variables that are about respect and integrity and connectivity and reconciliation.
0: So that's why it doesn't close off. It keeps going. It is organic. Thirdly and finally, salt isn't just about visiting people. It's something deeper.
2: I think salt should actually be understood as a lifestyle. It's supposed to, should I use the word organic? Once you plant the seed, it grows and grows on its own. And don't give it timelines or whatever. It should actually be something that goes on.
0: That was Elvis Simanvua ending this episode. You also heard community worker Robbins Odeo and, of course, Dr. Ian Campbell, also known as Mr. Salt. And if you'd like to know more about salt, then I do recommend as a starting point a previous episode of this podcast called The Secrets of Salt, You could also look up Dr. Ted Lancaster's book, Setting Up Community Health and Development Programs in Low and Middle Income Settings, which has a chapter on SALT co-written by Ian. And you can read an article called Listen First that I wrote for Footsteps magazine in 2022, explaining how a SALT approach led to community transformation in Pune, India. And that's almost it for this episode. Before we go, you can help support this show by making a small monthly donation on our Patreon page by visiting patreon.com forward slash aruka network. You can read and download every edition of Tearfund's Footsteps magazine at learn.tearfund.org, including a recent edition on peace and reconciliation you can catch up on previous episodes of how to build community online or in your podcast player just search how to build community and finally if you have feedback on this show or suggestions for future interviewees then you can reach me via email jake at arukanetwork.org but that's it for this episode until next time bye for now